the Adonis audio experience. Welcome everyone. You are joined by Adonis and Jose Manuel. Today we get right into the NBA and I'm excited, man. What about you, Jose? Well, I can't wait, you know, December 22nd opening day. And I mean, you know, this is going to be such a, it's a unique year, you know, the shortest all season anybody's ever had. But uh, I mean, I'm ready to get to go selfishly something else to watch as football winds down the NBA, the NBA starts up. NBA's getting started. Preseasons are happening right now. I was checking the first uh, preseason games with uh, the Knicks. Needless to say, it was good just to see some ball out there. Uh, Obi Toppin looked good, man. He was playing his butt off. Uh, and uh, all the other guys looked pretty solid. And looking at this Knicks team, um, it they look long and athletic and young. I like all of those combinations. Obviously, I don't think this team is going to go um, anywhere far in the very near future, but it, it felt good just to see an energetic, uh, energetic bunch of guys, you know, so I was happy about that. And I mean, what about your team, Jose? Have you been uh, following anything going on with the, uh, with Utah or, you know, anything? Uh... Yeah. I mean, Utah, they're the, they're the same. They're consistent, but you know, you just know that there's a clear ceiling there. But they got, you know, I love Donovan Mitchell, the, the, you know, him and him and Gobert, and I mean they make it work. Conley will be back, you know. I'm I enjoy watching them play. Uh, they they're developing. I don't know where the end game is. Sometimes, you know, I you know they maybe they should. I think they should trade Gobert and try something because he is a wanted commodity in the in the league, but he can't score on his own. Everything's got to be like a pick and roll. He can't, you know, but. He can't score on his own. They need to find another another gem in you know in the draft like they did with Mitchell at thirteenth. On a good team though, man, Gobert's a hell of a pickup though. On a good team, you know, yeah, like a you would love him on, you, caliber team. Of course, you would love him on a team where they don't even need him to score, and he could just block everything and rebound. And obviously, Jokic's still eating for breakfast, and he's a de- and he's a defensive guy. So, and I just. But listen, Utah, they compete. They compete. I mean, I'm still really frustrated that they honestly let that let that Denver series get away from them yeah. last year. You know, in in the bubble, you know, up three one. You know, in Denver, uh, you know, uh, you know that they like became used to doing that. You know, and they did it again to the Clippers, which is even more shocking. Mm. But you know, with with the Knicks, you know, I you know Thibodeau's going to make them play hard. That's what you know. That's what they do. He. This is what he does. He builds. He develops. That's what he did in Chicago. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to Toppin. Toppin. I'm gonna have some expectations on him right away. Like he's a little older. You know, he's not the prototypical rookie. He should really be able to contribute right away. You know, with Randall. With, you know, Knox. Looking um for uh looking forward to um R.J. Barrett getting a little better. And they when you say prototypical, start- it's because he's 22, and we're seeing a lot yeah. of kids who are 19. Uh, yeah. But that's not to say that 22 is old. Uh, so Obi's still a, a young guy. Uh, he's not an old guy, I would say. He's not. He's not. But it's just 
there's like almost like a prejudice against against these 22 year olds like why, why you know, is people, that because they think that you've hit your ceiling already they think if you were good enough you would have left college right away but guys are late bloomers some guys are late you know are late bloomers I know I mean, it's, can... it's like Tim Duncan spent four years in Wake Forest and nobody says a word. You know, it's like yeah, th- I'm surprised. That's already, a, that's already a different a different era. You know, Correct. I can find. I, but I can... but we haven't gone that far, right? And that's what I mean. Like t- thirty years haven't passed by. Twenty years haven't passed by, and it's so crazy how far we've come from that. You know, I mean, I guess yeah. you could say with Tim Duncan, it has been twenty years. But yeah. it amazes me how people see a guy spend two, three years in college, and it's like it's the adverse effect now. Yeah, I mean Curry and Thompson are probably like the last two guys that were at least in college for three school for three years, and like we're still lottery picks. They uh, they don't they don't they, they want you young. They want you at like nineteen. If you stay, it almost it almost I almost pokes, think, pokes holes in you. I almost feel like yeah. it waters the lead down. Uh, because I'll tell you what. Seeing Obi kind of play a little bit and his style, it's like, you know what, as a fan, and not not Obi specifically, but I mean, just the NBA in particularly, I think that there should be a focus to get guys who are more mature overall. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, LaMelo Ball, he's really doing some things with his Magic Johnson style of passes, and he's surprising even me with his his play just with, uh, with you know, uh, the, the short training camp and, and the preseason games that are, that are happening and some of his highlights. But it's like, I don't want to see 19 be the, the standard age that people start coming in because I feel like the quality of play is just not good at that age. Yeah, I mean, it hurts some guys. It helps some guys. When you're developing, you should just want to be developing with the best right away. So you're you're not necessarily getting that in college. I mean, you look at a guy like Dame Lillard. You know, you can find it. I, I, I and I. No, but it, you it, touched it, on it, something really good that I hear people say a lot, Jose. Is yeah. people are like, if you're good, you want to develop with guys that could develop you right away, right? But. If everybody is this young now, are you really developing anything? Because it, it, there is a process and a system, and it's crazy because this could be saved for another uh, discussion. But like when when Jordan got out of college, that player is probably a player that you would see now three, four years in the NBA. And I feel like the fans got to pay to see that development where I'd rather just see them develop in college. I don't know. And I could be wrong on that. I could be in the minority. Yeah, I mean, I hope they get rid of this one-and-done rule and they can let more guys want to just go straight out of high school. And then, because it also hurts the college game. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's not not that anybody cares that much here. But, I, you know, we, I, I, we, I, we I care I, about I the college agree. game. We care. I know, but I just, you know, it put... I think, the, the basically, if you can be a first-round pick at 19 or a lottery pick at 19... You're just gonna go. You're just gonna go. So if you stay in college, they really don't think you can, you know, you can play. But then you get guys like Dame Lillard, who's probably the last. He's definitely the the, the only star of that level that played four years in the, in, the, in the league right now. I can't I can't think of somebody else. But um. Yeah, me neither. And know, and to, we we can move on. I was just I just found that interesting. Uh, you're not the only one that mentioned that point, and I think at the right, the rate we're going, um, 
it's not producing better basketball. So I, I do like when people come a little more mature um, in that sense. Like you guys, guys like Luca, um, that just had more uh, time playing overseas. Yeah, he came young, but he kind of did the reverse. He went pro like way too young, right? He was like 12 years old when he went pro. <laughs> yeah. That's what they do in Europe. They just, just, just go play, you know, and they're, they're going, they're going pro at, at, at you know, 16 in these leagues. And it's crazy. So you're you saying, know, you're, you're saying, you know what, let's just do that. If you think you're good enough to go pro, then just go pro whenever you feel like it. So that way, and then the other kids who are, who want to go to college, they don't have to worry about just going one and done. They're making the, the decision to go to college. I would, I would like to adopt the baseball rule. Where it's you, you go and you sign right out of high school, you know, or if you decide to go to college, you provide a three-year commitment, you know, instead of this, you know, this one and done stuff, you just let these guys go. But that, that's an NBA rule; it's not a college rule. Yeah, because I think college basketball will survive because there's a million kids that want to play, and ninety-five percent of them aren't going to go to the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I watch it every year. It, you know, I watch I love watching Ivy League basketball. There's not a pro on the court. Mm-hmm. You know? So and, and and you know, I think it's better. For, I think it'd be better for both parties. Mm. That's what the rule was until like, oh, six. It escapes me. Yeah. You know, LeBron, they, didn't go to, LeBron didn't go to college. J.R. Smith didn't go to college. None of those guys. McGrady. Mm-hmm. You know? McGrady, yeah. Kobe. I mean, there was a Kevin Garnett, a whole slew of guys. But yeah. Uh, moving along, man, we got this one through 10 rank, which the NBA likes to have a little fun, or I should say ESPN came up with this rank and they threw it out in their social feed. And the, uh, number one ranked player, of course, LeBron James and in order, as they compiled the list, you got Davis at two, Giannis at three, Luka Doncic at four, Kawhi, the claw Leonard at five, Kevin Durant at six. Dame Lillard at seven, Steph Curry at eight, James Harden at nine, which we'll get into in a, in a bit, and then at ten, Nikola Jokic, which I mean, it's a decent top ten. You know, I would say the top five. I don't disagree with, but maybe there's one guy I might swap out from there. Uh, but what do you think, man? I'm okay. I'm okay with the top ten. As well, I would, I would first, I would move. I think I would move Jokic, Jokic up. Uh, you know, I like the way, I love the way he played this year in the playoffs, and, and I think, I mean, I think that team could really win a title. Denver's the next, the next team, you know, ascending as as LeBron gets older. I would move James Harden down, especially not with these recent antics. But I would, I would, I would move him down. I, I obviously he's a gifted scorer, but like, what else is he giving you? Uh. The, maybe I slide in. I slide in at some point. A guy like Tatum. I like to get like to see him get on that list. The rest of it is listen. LeBron's number one until I guess until he says so. You know, with you know, he's just got like the longest extended prime I could you know we've ever seen. Davis and Gian and Giannis. I'm okay with it. You go either way there. You know, Luca. I mean, Luca to be number four at this age and at this you know at this stage in his career. It's really scary what you think he's going to become. The rest of the list I'm okay with. You know, Durant, I mean, Durant hasn't played in a year, but, I mean, you know, we all know who he is. And Dame Lillard, probably my favorite guy in the league right now. So the rest of the list is okay. I just move, I move Jokic up and and um, and Harden out. 
I like this list. I think yeah. uh, I would move. I don't know if I'd move Harden completely. I'd actually move Steph. Um, in my opinion, Steph Curry is not a a the kind of star that should be on a list like this because Steph Curry has never carried a team on his own per se, even though he does have those two MVPs. And yes, he did win unanimous MVP, which has never been done before. But then that would, to make that a big deal would be to say that the MVPs Michael Jordan got weren't as, as good. So I, I don't make those comparisons in that sense, but I give Steph his props. But as far as just like a guy you just plug in, like LeBron, he goes to your team, you know you're going to the finals, right? You, you may not win a ring, but you know you're going to the finals. You know, you plug in any other guy, you plug in Luka into any of the 29, 30 teams in the league, and you know you got a, a conference contender, right? And, and maybe more, right? With Steph's the only guy on this list out of all of them, I feel like he just can't carry on his own. Maybe Dame too, but Dame showed us in this last playoff that as the main guy, man, he looked kind of sweet as just the main guy. And all the other guys, they they kind of proven like Harden's been doing it for a while. Luke, uh, uh, Nikola Jokic, obviously, he's he's a beast, you know, and, and Durant is Durant, right? And Kawhi's already proven himself. So that was the only guy. And then if I had to do a quick swap, maybe Luke, I'd swap a little bit ahead of Giannis at this point, because as you alluded to, just his performance in the playoffs was phenomenal. And uh, and that that's what my list would look like. But but what you think about Steph, man? I agree with you. I'm not. A, I'm really not a Curry fan. I I haven't been a fan of the entire Golden State run. They kind of got a little obnoxious there, you know, in the middle of that run. And I mean, they they they're fortunate. They they're fortunate that they, you know, they they benefited from way more injury luck than they got. Even even with what happened to them at the end of at the end of that run. Mm-hmm. I would like to see what's going to happen this year because you're right. I want to see. I want to see. I want to see him even do what Russell Westbrook did that year. He averaged a triple double, mm-hmm. and dragged them to you know like 48 wins in the play and 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 in the playoffs with them, when the rest of the team was was kind of barren. Mm-hmm. He 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 he's really never done that. He's never had to to lead a whole team. Listen, they play a very unique brand over there. They move the ball, but he doesn't have his buddy now. So you double Steph. You, you double Steph. And who's he kicking it out to for an open three? Draymond Green? I'll take that. I'll live with that. It's better than Steph shooting the ball. Mm. You know, I, lo- I love the way – comparing him, he's going to go down as a better player than Dame, but in my heart, I, I you know, I'll like I'll take Dame first. And, and you know, I'll, I'll you know, I, I appreciate I appreciate Dame staying in Portland and trying to get that – you know, trying to get that, that ring without having, like, team hop. And Steph didn't do that. But Steph never had to do that because he walked in and it worked right it, away. It, it, everything worked his way. And and listen, this is not an attack on Steph. Hopefully we get Steph on the show one day. Um, <laughs> but it it's more so like just carrying a team. I agree with you. I think Dame has more of that ability when you're talking about just the guy and not like the system as Steph has benefited from. But... Yeah. Just he to round this, wrong. he could prove us wrong this year. I'm gonna be, I'm actually gonna really be looking forward to Golden State games this year because they bet they shouldn't be a lottery team this year. Just be, you know, it's horrible what happened to Clay. But I, let's, I don't think show me something. Be a six or seven seed this year, and let's see. They could, they got, you know, that's the a good question. Too. 
I don't think they're yeah. the. I don't think they're a playoff team. Yeah, I, I think they still should be. That, that's what I want to. You know, I've people I wanna say see. that. People say that. I don't think mm-hmm. they're a playoff team. But yeah, moving things along to Harden, your boy. Yeah, this dude's been and uh, he he was with what a uh, big baby. Uh, just delivering Louis Vuitton duffel bags with a hundred grand stacks in it, just handing out bags. I didn't know people still did that. You know, it's like when you got a ton of cash, you you know, giving a ton of cash to another guy who's got a ton of, I mean, I I just, that's just sounds confusing to me, but anyway, it sounds like he's back in it. Um, and he's reported for camp. Uh, he's cleared some of the, uh, the protocols, uh, for uh, for COVID, and uh, it says that he's to make his preseason debut on Tuesday, um, which seems all pretty quick because you know just a week ago, it seemed like Harden was just uh, you know just gone. We were never going to see him again. Yeah, he was you know acting like an absolute jackass and trying to force his way out of Houston because they got you know every, everybody left. Is is uh, the GM left? Everybody's running off the ship. But there's just a way to act. There's a way to behave and try to get your way. You can ask for a trade. I just don't think he did it right, and I feel horrible. You know, and all, all I hear all the time is there's not enough black coaches in the league. There's not enough, um, you know, you know, there's not enough diversity at that position. And you know, Stephen Silas gets his first opportunity at a job, and he's got to deal with this. You know, and this that's not fair to him. And I, you know, I just, I mean, be a professional. Try, come back. If I'm Houston, I think I just make the deal at this point. Harden for Simmons, straight up, and let's just go. And because he's not going to, it's it's not going to work anyway. They're done winning. They're, they're done, they had their window. Mm-hmm. And, they, you know, they made the horrible trade last year, Westbrook for Paul. And then you go ahead and you trade you flip Westbrook now. You got one of your picks back. You gave, you potentially gave up four, for for Paul um, to just get rid of Paul and bring Westbrook in. Well, here's what's interesting: well, the Sixers don't even want to give up Simmons. The Sixers are like, listen, we'll give up Tobias Harris, maybe. Those are the hypo- hypotheticals people are throwing out there because, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh-huh. I've never seen such an untradeable superstar. I it, in modern history, because when when LeBron James wants to go to a team, every team is willing to do whatever for it to work. Kevin Durant, whatever you need, we'll make it work. Giannis, we'll make it work. Davis, we'll we'll do anything to make this deal work. This guy Harden, teams are kind of hesitant as to what they're gonna give up if they want to give up anything for Harden. It ain't ain't that crazy? Yeah, I'm. You know, I don't know where they, where they would go. I'm not too sure what teams would want Harden, where he would fit in as like a you know the last you know missing piece. He's running out of guys he can play with. He couldn't get along with Chris Paul. I mean, you got to say that's more on him. Now he can't get along with Russell Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm Houston, I have to trade him at this point. He's 31 years old. His skills will start to diminish soon enough. You had your run, where you know you were you were in the mix. You lost a couple of heartbreaker series too. The Golden State, I would trade him. Maybe I'll just take Brooklyn on that deal and go with, you know, Lavert and Dinwiddie and, you know, just try to be, you know, just try to be a, you know, the little engine they could because you're not going to win anything. And, but, you know, with a few draft picks, 
in the yeah. future that when that, that deal this doesn't work is over with. That deal doesn't work either though. Because for I, that for that deal to work, you gotta make the money work, which those guys in particular don't. And then also from a talent perspective, the NBA just just doing a little bit of background on that, they do measure as far as like their skill sets and their achievements. And yeah. aside from Durant and, and Irving, they yeah. just don't have the assets to match that. Yeah. The you're, the only smart partner would be Philly. But 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 again, Philly don't want to give up Simmons. Smart. You could always get a third team involved, you know. And actually, this kind of just dawned on me: if you're Denver, do you kind of like push your chips into the middle and trade Michael Porter Jr. and you know when however else you have to make it work, it'll work. It, it, it could work with a third team, and but the chip that Houston would want from Denver is Michael Porter Jr. and you bring Harden into that mix. Because that's some lineup you could throw at them. You could you could throw at 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 a, at a at a you know at a LeBron. That that's just that's just on to me right now. I don't know. That that would be a hell of a you know a gamble. But you know because I think Michael Porter Jr. is going to be an absolute star. But what do you think about that? Uh, Michael Porter Jr. I think he's got some Tatum qualities, and you know, and Tatum's not bona fide just yet, but he's getting there. So I don't want to crown him, but. But but Tatum's got that that level of respect right now in the league, and Michael Porter is on his way. I feel like he at times could be a little soft, where he's got to just um, toughen up a bit, just be more of a team guy, accept your role for what it is, move forward. And a little bit of that is from what happened in the bubble. But we can let that go by the wayside because from what we understand now is that the bubble wasn't the easiest place uh or it wasn't the most conducive to to uh to young players uh because they were just isolated from what we understand um (laughs) not playing with fans it's interesting uh paul george had mentioned this in all the smoke and uh the podcast uh with uh with stacks and matt burns basically paul george says that he's an introvert right and going inside playing in a bubble, it it messed with his his head a little bit because his he, he just started feeling a certain way, right? But he said that uh, it's interesting because when you put an introvert into an arena, it it has this effect where you're able to forget and block everything out and let that energy carry you through the game. And Paul George saying that I was like, wow. You know, that was just maybe some insight in the players that need that. Clearly, you know, guys like Jimmy Buckets don't need that. LeBron doesn't need that. But guys like Michael Porter Jr. may need some of that energy as what guys like Paul George alluded to. uh, Having fans in the stadiums get you pumped up. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. No, I get that. I get that. But it's just it's him being so young and what he could be that maybe that's something Houston would would value yeah because you're 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 not like trading him for like an equal player that's and you know you're just gonna and you're just gonna run it back that i don't see where that is who would give that 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 uh who would give you that asset you can only trade on potential i agree with you you on can that. only trade on you know on potential and somebody else's disaster contract you know and you know whoever else is the next superstar that might be forcing their way out all right so i got so, one for you yeah what were you gonna go say ahead. no you no no you go ahead i want to hear it all right, so let's do Michael Porter Jr. or 
Ben Simmons. And you got four years to evaluate both guys. Who you take? No, I want Porter. I think I want Porter in that. In that um, nah, man, really? Porter over Ben Simmons? I think I'm a little high on him, but I, I, I that's why. But you got the four years, though. That's that's fair. Yeah. So in four I mean, listen, years, Porter, Porter's, Porter's like back. 21, and, and I mean, Simmons is young still, too. I just, just me. That that's just who I would pick. I just, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, what his upside can be, I think it's just, you know, I think I think it could just be tremendous. Yeah, I don't disagree well, with that. Um, in the next four years, I think uh, Porter might be uh, in that trajectory. I, I, I hope, I hope so, and I hope this season um, doesn't have a real big impact on him, uh, as far as negatively. I hope he's able to kind of get his head together, uh, you know, work within the flow of the team and just shine when you need to shine, brother. He's going to have an expanded role on this Denver team because Jeremy Grant, for some ridiculous reason, thinks he, he's better than he is. And he went to Detroit for $60 million. And, you know, I guess he's going to try to be their number two over there. And you know it's not gonna work. We you know my humble, my humble opinion, and that's but that that elevated Porter because he'll probably be starting now. And you know they're gonna want they're gonna want you know 17, 18 points a game from him this year. You know behind Murray and the Joker, mm. and it's gonna be let's go. You know keep developing. Yeah, man. Uh, so moving things along, we got the NFL uh, that's uh, coming up. We have uh, you know we're we're in like the. Uh, those those interesting moments where some players or uh, some teams rather are in the hunt, some teams have already clinched. Uh, so you know, give us the latest, Jose. That's going on in the NFL. Had a fun Sunday yesterday, finishing up Week 14. Uh, I'll start with um, I'll start with my Super Bowl pick and my Super Bowl champ. I'm feeling really good about it. Uh, the Green Bay Packers. You know, uh, they beat Detroit yesterday, clinched the division, and now they have the one seed. <clears throat> Many of the years, uh, it wasn't a big deal to get the one seed. You just wanted the buy, but there's only one buy now because they're letting they're letting uh, two extra teams into the playoffs this year. So it's seven teams per conference, and only one team is getting a buy. So right now, in the NFC, that is pretty wide open, and I feel like Green Bay understands that, and they're going to... Rodgers knows this might be his best last chance to get another ring. Um, you know, they're 10-3. and three. If they win out, they will be the one seed. So they'll get a bye. They'll have to play one less game. And they'll get the games at home. And they're still a team that has a home field advantage despite having no fans because you got to go up to Lambeau, you know, in the frozen tundra in the, in the middle and end of January where you're going to be playing games in, you know, 10 degrees. And that's that, you know, that's just, that's just a big advantage. Locally, the Giants had a very disappointing game yesterday. I think they rushed Daniel Jones back from his hamstring injury against the Cincinnati Bengals two weeks ago, and they just lost a very ugly game to the Cardinals. And now, surprisingly, I thought they had that division on lock because you think a week ago, a week ago today, a week ago today. Your Steelers are getting ready to play the Redskins, and the Giants have just shocked the world and beat Seattle. And nobody thought the Redskins were going to win that game. Forgive me, the Washington football team was going to win that game. And with the Giants having that tiebreaker, you would have thought, you know, they were going to, you know, moonwalk to the division. But the Redskins go ahead. I oh, did it again. The Redskins go ahead and win that game, and then they win 
yesterday, and now they're actually a game ahead. And it seems like they have the easier schedule moving forward. So if you're a Giant fan, I don't think you're going to get that that home playoff game. But there's still plenty of football left to, to be played. Uh, Kansas City. Kansas City's like toying with teams. It's almost like they just want to get to the playoffs. Now with your Steelers dropping a few a couple of games, the Steelers are most likely going to get the one seed again. So that means the same thing. you got to go through Kansas City to beat them. And they look like they're playing a different sport, honestly. They're a little sloppy at some points because they – you know, they, they're almost getting bored in the middle of games. Like, they were up 20 against Miami yesterday, and then they just took a quarter off, and they allowed Miami to come back, and then they finished the game off. But, you know, it's just, it's just interesting. A very sloppy game by my Vikings. They missed four kicks, and, you know, if you're a Viking fan out there, that's nothing new, that, you know, that the franchise has been tortured by the kicker. And Sunday Night Football, I was watching uh, – the Steelers and the Bills, and, you know, we had talked about it a couple times that I thought they were a little bit of a fraudulent 11-0, and now it's kind of looking like that's coming to fruition. They just can't run the ball. They're looking a little soft. And I am I saw the point where they were comparing the Steelers this year to New England last year, where they both, you know, they both had the great start. They both started at least 8-0, and and then you just started to see little little chinks in the armor. And they just lost too many guys off that defense, Bush and and Bud Dupree. And Roethlisberger's looking old. They can still write the ship. They're still going to be at least a three seed. But moving forward, I just don't I just don't think it's going to go go too well for them. But uh, and we have a great game tonight. We actually have a really fun Monday night game: Ravens and Browns. You know, surprisingly nine and three Browns. But is, the the Ravens are definitely the more desperate team, and they've had they've had Cleveland's number. So I mean, you you would favor Baltimore slightly, definitely in the desperation factor. And I think I think I think Baltimore is going to win that game, and I'm looking forward to watching it tonight. All right, well there you have it, everybody. Um, and as far as just watching uh, what's on TV and what's out there, I've actually been looking at a couple of documentaries as of late, and. Uh, one that I do recommend for people to watch if they haven't seen it already is ESPN's Tiger Woods, America's Son. And what's amazing about it is it, you know, it takes a chronological look of Tiger Woods' life, uh, which we all know. I mean, he's, he lived on the camera since he was three years old. Um, and then the other one uh, that I was watching recently is on Showtime. Now, this one's a little bit... Um, more how do i put it more graphic in a sense it is it is a showtime series uh so you know viewer discretion advised if you're watching it with young children but um it's the title is macho the hector camacho story and it just talks about the flamboyant exciting boxer who came out of spanish harlem back in the 80s and um it's interesting i remember uh hector camacho's career because when I was nine, 10 years old, I was going against him and I was going for Julio Cesar Chavez back in 1992 when Chavez mm-hmm. fought Camacho um, in that um, what ended up being pretty much a, a one sided fight. Uh, Chavez put a whooping on him. But what this documentary did for me, it really put some perspective into um 
Camacho's career in the 80s, how he rose to prominence, and how he dominated the sport from a lightweight from the 112 pound all the way up until uh, peaking at the welterweight division. And, you know, he did have that moment in 92 where he got beaten uh, by Chavez, but he was able to come back in 97 and play more of an exhibition um, fight, which today we see a lot of exhibition fights from Mayweather to Tyson and, and Roy Jones. But he actually fought an exhibition fight against his childhood idol, who was Sugar Ray Leonard, who loved Hector Camacho. So they fought. And it's funny because Sugar Ray's like, yeah, I got the size. I got the speed. I got everything. But I think Sugar Ray Leonard forgot that he was also a lot older or, you know. <laughs> Past, past his time, and Camacho ended up putting a whooping on him, uh, which was funny. But obviously, it was a it was an exhibition and all for fun. But it was a moment of triumph uh, for Camacho, especially exiting. Uh, but then eventually, uh, his life uh, just ended in his murder in uh, in Puerto Rico, where um, he died at the young age of fifty. But it's a uh, it's a cautionary tale. Uh, of things that we often see in these inner cities. And I like to share this with you and the audience, uh, because I feel like it, it sheds a little bit into things that I understand, things that I grew up around. You know, I remember being in, in, in those streets as a kid. Um, fortunately, uh, nothing of violence or drug use or anything like that, but just understanding how difficult those times were um, just in New York and seeing people like Mike Tyson coming out of Bedside, like Macho Camacho coming out of Spanish Harlem. I mean, these were areas that no one would have imagined that you could make it from these parts. So to see these people come out um, is, is huge. And I'm going to keep uh, talking about these figures because it's important to me and and to what i understand uh you know the world and and life to be um especially just from you know being a kid um in those times so um just wanted to share that with you but jose uh any any points or, or anything else that you wanted to share with us yeah so you know i heard yesterday yesterday evening that the uh, that the cleveland indians were changing their name in, in the latest, you know, in the latest offensive nickname saga. And I just speak for myself, my humble opinion. I have no idea how how they consider the Indians offensive. Uh, I understand that the logo might have been might have been a little offensive, but I mean, it's been the team name for 100 years. The Redskins just changed their name. Again, none of these were ever meant to to be insulting. To, it's to be it was to be honored. The Redskins. I mean, they have. They had like the most passionate fan base known to man. It's incredible down there. That was that was meant to honor. That was that was really that was really meant to honor, the, you know, the Native Americans. And I believe I believe that with the Indians too, humbly. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know if the Chiefs are next. That would be the most ridiculous one. I mean, I, we said it before. That's a term we use in everyday life. If it's offensive, why do we use it? Why is the police chief? You know, we have a police chief, the chief executive officer. Uh, I know it just hurt a little bit. It hurt. I mean, the Cleveland Indians were the team I grew up rooting for because, you know, Manny Ramirez is my favorite player. Uh-huh. He's my favorite player of all time. And now, you know, I just that you know, that hit me where it hurt me, you know, my childhood, that 97 World Series. I don't know what, you know, what they're going to be called now. It's 
I don't know. It's just a little. It's disheartening. I think we've gone a little overboard with this overcorrecting. Yeah. But you know, it it um it is what it is. Uh, in hockey, I guess the Blackhawks, um, would you know would be it would be a, a, a name they change too. You know these these names come they come from history. They you know they you know they're not just there like making them up now. And I don't know what Cleveland's going to be now. The original name was the Cleveland Naps. I don't know if they're going to go back to that. I doubt it. But it's maybe they'll do something paying homage to rock and roll because the rock and roll Hall of Fame is in is in Cleveland. But you know, it's I was just disappointed. Yeah, I must say. It's unfortunate we're in a cancel culture society. Uh, you know, we've talked about it in prior episodes, but it uh keeps coming up and it's not to say that listen if someone is offended by something uh it we should look at it we should address it that that is without a doubt uh there is no question um but there there are other things that you know are real staples to to our our day-to-days and it's like we want to eviscerate and erase everything we know um to be able to accommodate um I don't know. Maybe it's a it's a smaller group that's creating the biggest noise, right? Or maybe it is a large group that's saying, "Hey, all, you know, all this needs to be, you know, taken away." But regardless of that, we, we can't just take an eraser and just take history out. And I hope people understand that part of it at least. And I hope we do keep some of the names that are still in place and um you know, we don't get carried away, but maybe the, um, what do they say that the cart has, or the, uh, what is it? The horse has left, that horse has left the barn already. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I fear our, where our society's going. Cause I don't, I don't really know who's, you know, who's even calling the shots here. I, you know, I mean, the Redskin owner was defiant and never changing the name until he needed a new stadium. And now they know they can hold his feet to the fire. And FedEx, like their biggest sponsor, pulled out because money is all these things. People, money is the only thing that can motivate, can motivate these guys. Well, all right. So you know that that's where it, that's where it comes up, and it's just really sad. Yeah. Well, everyone, until next time, peace out.